In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, many of us, actually, in our relationship with God, we focus on the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even when we pray, like in the Agbeya or in the Divine Liturgy, addressing the Father, but in our mind we are speaking to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what actually distinguishes Christianity from any other religion or any other faith is the true knowledge of God, that God is triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this knowledge should actually enrich our relationship with God and also should actually make our spirituality very deep in understanding the relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And one of the best passages that explains our relationship with the Holy Trinity is Ephesians chapter 1 in St. Paul in Ephesians 1 from verse 3 to verse, uh, verse, tw- uh, verse 14 from 3 to 14 he spoke about 10, ten blessings of uh, the Holy Spirit uh, sorry, of the Holy Trinity three from the Father, five from the Son, and two from the Holy Spirit. So the total ten. Three from the Father, five from the Son, and two from uh, the Holy Spirit. And then he concluded uh, with a beautiful prayer. And we as Sunday school servants, actually, we should pray this prayer for our children, whether biological or spiritual children. Beautiful, beautiful prayer. So let us go and and read how the Holy Trinity participate in our life, how the, the Holy Trinity bless our life. This understanding in the knowledge of God will enrich our relationship with Him. So In verse 3, he starts saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. By the way, each zoxology, each praise to one person of the Holy Trinity, he ended by for the praise of the glory of his grace. After he finished speaking about the Father, he said uh, to the praise of his glory. He repeated after he finished speaking about the Son, he repeated third time after speaking about the Holy Spirit, to the praise of His glory. Uh, 
So he started by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We need to understand what does it mean in Christ. God the Father gives us all this blessing, but we will receive them if we are abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us. If we are separate from Christ, we cannot receive these blessings. That's why to abide in the Son is the key to all the blessings. And that's why the son called himself the bridegroom and who are the bride, because the bridegroom and the bride becomes one. And who actually make this union between the son and us, the Holy Spirit. So we can say every gift, every blessing, is given to us in the Son by the Holy Spirit. Again, every blessing we receive it from God the Father in His Son Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And the opposite is true. When we pray to God the Father, we cannot stand before God the Father away from His Son. There is no acceptance to us except through the Son. And that's why the Son, one of his titles, the Mediator. So we stand before God the Father and the Son by the Holy Spirit. And when we pray to God the Father, we are praying to Him and the Son by the Holy Spirit. This understanding is very essential for our relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every, every, all spiritual blessing in heavenly places, but all these blessings are in the Son, in Christ. And then he start mentioning, as I told you, three blessings from God the Father. The first one in verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us. So even before the foundation of the world, the economy in God's in, in the Father's mind, whoever will be in the Son, then he will be chosen. Chosen for what? that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. How we, be, we will be holy and without blame? The humanity failed completely to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. No one can say I have fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law of God. So the Lord Jesus Christ came, took our humanity, and he is the only one, the only one 
he fulfilled all the righteous requirement of the law of God as a human being. You remember when he said to John the Baptist, we ought to fulfill all righteousness. That's why he prayed. That's why he fasted. That's why he was tempted by Satan. That's why he actually endured everything and resembled us in everything except for sin alone. Sometimes we say God prayed to teach us to pray. He was baptized to teach us about the importance of baptism. He fasted to teach us. That's okay, but there is a deeper meaning. He prayed, so when I am in him, abiding in him, my prayer will be acceptable before God the Father. So my prayer only will be acceptable to God before God the Father in the prayer of the Son. My fasting, we are fasting now. Our fasting will be only accepted through the fasting of the Son. If the Son did not fast at all, then all our fasting will have no value. So when he said he chose us in him, in the Son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. How we will be holy and without blame? In the Son. In the Son, all what we do will be actually perfected in the Son. Will be accepted as perfect in the Son. And if we want to summarize the whole Bible or the whole requirement of the law of God in one word, this word will be what? Love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's why he said he chose us in him, in the Son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, before the Father, in love, in keeping the righteous requirement of the law. So again, our charitable deeds, our prayer, our fasting, our worship, anything we do only will be accepted before God the Father and the Son. The second blessing from the Father, verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. So the second one, he predestined us for adoption, to adoption. God the Father has one son by nature, only one son. And by the way, especially for the deacons, the word of monogenes. Mono means only. Genis means begotten. So a monogenes means the only begotten, which means no one is begotten before the Father except the Son. Only begotten. In Arabic, sometimes they translate it wrong. They translate it al-wahid al-gins. genis al-gins. No. Mono, as I told you, al-wahid. 
جنيس المولود فالترجمة الدقيقة لأمونو جنيس بالعربي الابن الوحيد الإنجليزي مظبوطة الابن الوحيد مش الوحيد الجنس الابن الوحيد so the father has one son how we will be the children of God the father how only in the son if we accepted the son if we are the bride and he is the bridegroom then in the son will be children of God the father uh, so he predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself and again by Jesus Christ is very important because if I am separate from Jesus then there is no adoption I'm not a son and he did this according to the good pleasure of his will he was not forced to do it it is the pleasure of God the Father as the Lord told us, don't fear little flock. It is the pleasure of God the Father to give you the kingdom. So he predestined us to be his children according to the good pleasure of his will. So this predestination, based on his foreknowledge, everything is before the foundation of the world. So according to his foreknowledge, before the foundation of the world, that we will believe in the Son, we will accept the Son as our groom, then we are predestined to be the children of God for adoption. And John chapter 1, the gospel that we read it uh, in the first hour of Agbaya, verse 12, we read, but as many as received him, received the Son, then he gave the right to become the children of God. So those who accepted the Son, they have the right to be the children of God. Because we are the bride and he is the bridegroom, we are one. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How we are born of God? Because we accepted the Son. We believed in the Son. In Romans 8, St. Paul explained this more. And he says, In verse, in verse uh, 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What does mean led by the Spirit of God? The Spirit of God leads us to believe in the Son and to say the Son, no one can say that Jesus is God except by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit leads me to believe in the Son and accept the Son to be my groom. For you did not receive, verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. As I told you, 
the one who makes the bond, the union, the oneness between us and the Son is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit actually is the one who united me with the Son. So it is the spirit of adoption and the spirit bears witness that we are children. And by the spirit in the Son, I can call God the Father and call him Father, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Like when Abuna uh, marry two persons, Abuna bears witness that this is the bride and this is the bridegroom. The same way, same way the Spirit bears witness that we are the bride of the Son, then we are children of God the Father. What is the conclusion here? Because we are adopted. Verse 17. If children, then heirs. We cannot inherit the kingdom of God unless we are children. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God. And joint heirs with Christ. So this inheritance in Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him because we are joined with the Son, united with the Son, that we may be also glorified together. So, going back, the Father chose us. The Father uh, predestined us for adoption. According to the good pleasure of His will. Verse 6, Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. And this is actually the meaning of praise. When we go to midnight praises or vesper praises or morning soxology, morning praises, when we understand the gift that God gave us, we who are the dust of the earth, now we are children and joined heirs with Christ. Can you imagine if you adopt a homeless child, how the child would be grateful to this family, especially if the family actually give him all the rights of the children, inheritance, everything. So the mouth of this child will be opened with praise, gratitude to the family that adopted him. In the same way, when we understand that God the Father has chosen us and predestined us for adoption, to inherit not earthly inheritance, but heavenly inheritance, our mouth will be opened for praise, to the praise of the glory of His grace. So, this actually should be the motive when we come to praise the Lord. Not only during midnight praises and whisper, but all our life we are grateful, praising Him for this blessing. The third blessing uh, from the Father by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. By which he made us accepted in the Beloved. So, uh, the third blessing is acceptance. This grace actually after we're rejected after we were enemies, after we were exiled from the paradise of joy. Now in the Son, 
were accepted before the Father. But how accepted in the Beloved, in His Son. And since the Father loves the Son, in the Son we are loved. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus Christ said, the Father Himself also loves you because you have loved me. So we are accepted by the Father in the Son, in the Beloved. And all of this for the praise of the glory of His grace. So we finished the three things of the Father. He has chosen us, He predestined us for adoption, and He accepted us in the Son after we were rejected and were exiled. From verse 7, we'll speak about five blessings in the Son. In Him, in the Son. Verse 7. We have redemption through His blood. We have redemption through His blood. What does it mean, redemption? Redemption means you sacrifice something to spare something else. That's redemption. When St. Paul said, redeeming the time, means what you are willing to sacrifice, what you are willing to compromise in order to save your time to do something more beneficial. So, redemption here, the son actually sacrificed himself. The father offered the son as a sacrifice. And the son accepted this willingly and joyfully to spare us, to save us from eternal perdition, to save us from the fire of uh, hell. He redeemed us after we were in bondage and were taken captives by Satan. He sacrificed himself in the cross in order to redeem us. So number one, he redeemed us. He set us free from the captivity of Satan. And he did this through his blood. By shedding his blood, he sacrificed himself. The second blessing from the Son, the forgiveness of sins. He did not only redeem us. Redeem us means he set us free, spared us, saved us from the captivity. But with setting us free from the captivity, also he forgave our sins. How he forgave our sins? He carried all our sins. Not only he carried our sins, but as St. Paul said, he became sin. He became sin. So any sin we have committed, all we will commit, the Lord Jesus Christ carried this sin and carried the punishment of sin, which is death. And he died for this sin. For this sin in order for me to be forgiven. And we need actually to understand the depth of this gift. One time when they brought the paralytic person to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they wanted him to heal the person. But the Lord told him, your son, uh, my son, your sins are forgiven. So the people start to murmur and grumble. We brought him that you may heal him. 
and just to tell him your sins are forgiven? So the Lord told them, which is greater and which is easier for me, to forgive sins or to heal him? Actually, to heal him, one word from my mouth will heal him. But to forgive him, it required to incarnate, to become man, to suffer on the cross, to die. The immortal died in order to redeem us and in order to save us from the penalty of death. So when you hear the Lord absolve you, your sins are forgiven. This word has a price. The price is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Did we receive the redemption and the forgiveness because we deserve it? Because we are worthy? No. If we are worthy or we deserve it, then it is not grace. It will be a reward. But it is grace. Grace means it was given to us according to the riches of his grace. He decided to do this. He decided to do this. With no personal gain, with no benefit. Maybe the family that adopt a a child... Uh, there is some benefit. They are actually uh, feeling or feeding the instinct of fatherhood or motherhood. So they, they will benefit just from this emotional attachment. But God actually doesn't need us. So when he redeemed us and he forgave our sins, he did this only because of the multitude of his mercy and the richness of his love. So, redeemed us and forgave us according to the riches of his grace. Um, Verse 8, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. This grace has no limit. Abundant grace. Unlimited grace. Which he made to abound toward us. But if you see somebody distributing money, for example, he has a lot of money and he starts to distribute money uh, to the poor and the needy, we may question, is this person wise? Does he know what he is doing? Uh, And maybe we question his wisdom. So when we speak about God who made us children, heirs of the heavenly inheritance not because we are worthy just because he loved us according to the riches of his mercy and the abundance of his love maybe somebody will question is it wise that God take the dust of the earth and make them like the sun heirs of the heavenly inheritance that's why St. Paul in verse 8 he assured us that he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence God knows what he is doing God understands what he is doing he's not just doing anything without planning or without understanding 
He is the all-wise. He is the source of every wisdom and prudence in the world. So giving us his grace according to his wisdom and his prudence, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. The third blessing of the Son. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. The will of the Father is to choose us, to predestine us for adoption, to accept us. But we didn't know this will. Who revealed this will to us? The Son. No one has seen the Father. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has revealed this to us. So the Son actually made known to us the mystery of the will of the Father. He told us the Father himself loves you. The Father did not spare his Son, but he offered him on the cross. He revealed to us how much the Father loves us. The mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. And again, St. Paul is emphasizing this will of the Father to choose us, to predestine us for adoption, to accept us, it is done according to his good pleasure. He is happy, he is excited, he is pleased to do this. And he purposed to himself, he determined to fulfill this economy because of his love toward us. <coughs> so, theology is done by revelation. What we know about the Father, we know it not because we made like uh, a hypothesis and then we proved this hypothesis. It's not like this. Whatever revealed to us about the Father from the Son, that's what we know about the Father. So the third blessing that the Son actually made known to us the mystery of the will of the Father according to the good pleasure of the Father which he purposed in himself. Uh, the fourth one, that in the dispensation of the fullness of, of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in Christ. So, what does it mean in the dispensation of the fullness of time? God is planning, God the Father, before all ages, He is planning to the eternal life. That is the fullness of the time. Dispensation means economy. He's planning. In, in, um, in Coptic, if economia, in te ibgokivol, in te niseyu. So, the economy, the plan that God the Father had for the fullness of time, for the eternal life that has no end, 
What is the plan? He wants to gather together all things in one, in Jesus Christ. The unity, the oneness. Both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. The saints who are now in the paradise of joy and we who are still in the struggling church here on earth. All of us will be one in the sun. So, all of us will be one with the Son. All of us will be children of God the Father and this by the work of the Holy Spirit. So we have now fellowship with the Holy Trinity, children of God the Father and also one with one another. In this picture, we can see how the two commandments, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself are fulfilled. Because all of us will be one in the Son, thus love your neighbor as yourself, and will be children of God the Father by the Holy Spirit, thus love the Lord God from all your heart, all your mind, all your thoughts, all your will. So, the Lord Jesus Christ, also the first blessing in Him, in Him, will be one. That is the song that we chant during the Apostles' Fast. He made the two into one. That is the heaven and the earth. The last one, so the Son so far redeemed us, forgave our sin, revealed the will of the Father, and in Him He united all of us in heaven and on earth. The last one in verse 11, in him, in Jesus, also we have obtained an inheritance. The inheritance that I read in Romans chapter 8. In Jesus, we have obtained inheritance. Being predestined by the Father according to the purpose of him, according to the determination of the Father, according to the plan of the Father, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, who does everything with wisdom according to the counsel of his will, so he's not doing things randomly or haphazardly. So he did all of this in order for us to have inheritance. So in the Son we'll have inheritance. Why the Son? Because the Son is the only one who is God-man. God-man. That's why we can be one with the Son, because He is man. And the Son can be one of the Father, because He is begotten of the Father. No one can come to the Father except me. That's what the Son said. The only hypostasis from the three who became man is the Son. That's why the Son is the only access, is the only way, is the only true way. I am the way, truth, and life. There is no other way. There is no other way. And if you understand this, the common question, I know somebody who is not Christian, but he is living a good life. Would he go to heaven? If he doesn't believe in the Son, how he can be 
child of God the Father, how he will be has access to the inheritance. It's not about doing good work, because we are not gonna in- inherit the kingdom of of heaven as a reward to our good work. The kingdom of heaven is inheritance, meaning you must be a child, inheritance. And to be a child, it is only in the Son, in Jesus Christ. And as I told you, every sexology, he ends by the praise of his glory. Uh, that's why in verse uh, 12, that we who first trusted in Christ, trusted mean we believed in him, we trusted him, we become one with him, should be to the praise of his glory. When we understand all this blessing, our mouth and our heart will be filled with joy and praise, and praise the Holy Trinity, praise the glory of God. He ended the exorcism of the Father by, in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace. He ended the exorcism of the Son by the same word in, in, um, in verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. So, we mentioned eight point, three point from the Father. He chose us. He predestined us for adoption. He accepted us. The Son, He redeemed us. He forgave our sins. He revealed to us the mystery of the Father. He united all of us in Him, heavenly and earthly. And in Him, we have the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. Then, the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. In Him, in Jesus, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So, when we heard the gospel of our salvation, the good news of salvation, we trusted the Son and we believed in Him. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the first blessing from the Holy Spirit is sealing. Like, for example, if you are giving or or you're writing your will uh, and you are gifting uh, inheritance to your children. So after you write the will, you go and actually notarize it. So this seal actually is like guarantee that this is a promise. That's why he said, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. After we believe, we are baptized, and then in the Holy Spirit we are sealed. Seal also has another meaning. When you have a book and you put your seal on this book, this means it's mine. So the sealing of the Holy Spirit that we receive after we are baptized, now we become his children. God the Father says, they are mine. They are children. My seal on them. They are my true children. 
And my promises to my children are true also. That's why he called them, he called him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Not only we are sealed, as I explained, to be his, his children, but also this sealing is a guarantee. Guarantee. As we read in verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Uh, if I'm going, go, going to give you piece of land, I will go and sign it and notarize it. This document is a guarantee that this land now is yours. So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased position. The full redemption will happen in the second coming of Jesus Christ. When we are risen from the dead. That's what St. Paul referred to in Romans 8, the redemption of our bodies. When we are risen from the dead. So, now I need a guarantee until I receive the inheritance. The guarantee is the Holy Spirit. The seal of the Holy Spirit. That's the guarantee. Until the redemption, until we are redeemed completely, the redemption of our bodies, Romans 8, of the purchased position. Who are the purchased position? It's us. God purchased us with his blood. And this transaction in which he purchased us with his blood, now we, are beca- we, we became his position, his belonging. He owned us. So the Holy Spirit, two things about the Holy Spirit. He sealed us, which means now we are owned by the Father. We are his children because the Son purchased us and who are positions of the Father. And number two, the guarantee. He is the guarantee. And when we understand this, what will happen? Our mouth and our heart will be full of joy and we praise God. That's why, again, to the praise of his glory. As I told you, after each zoxology, he repeats to the praise of his glory. So when we praise God, we're praising the Holy Trinity. We praise the Father, because he has chosen us. He predestined us for adoption. He accepted us. We praise the Son because he redeemed us. He forgave our sins. He revealed to us the mystery of the Father. He united all of us, heavenly and earthly, in himself. And in him we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And we praise the Holy Spirit because he is the guarantee of our inheritance and he sealed us. Sealed us means he made us one with the Son, sealing one with the Son to be children of the Father. So that is actually how the Holy Spirit works in us. Now after we understand how the Holy Spirit interacting in our life, sorry, how the Holy Trinity interacting in our life, St. Paul start to pray for them. Beautiful prayer. 
verse 15 therefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints don't cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayer okay what you are praying Saint Paul he said in verse 17 that God of our Lord Jesus Christ the fa- by the way when he says God of our Lord as I told you Jesus is God man so Jesus can address the father my God because he is a man and he can address the father my father because he is the son of the father do you remember when he uh, rose and appeared to Mary Magdalene he told her go tell my brethren uh, to go to Galilee where they can see me I did not ascend to my father and your father and to my God your God so the father became our father and the son and the father became the God of the son because he became one with us human being right so when St. Paul says the God of our Lord Jesus Christ he emphasizing his humanity not that the son is inferior to the father that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so the first uh, prayer he is asking that God may give us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in knowing him you cannot it is impossible to know God without these two spirits the spirit of wisdom heavenly wisdom not earthly wisdom and uh, revelation because theology which is the knowledge of God is done by revelation what God reveals to us now people while they are denying God why many atheists now and agnostic and many people denying God because they are relying on earthly wisdom not heavenly wisdom they are relying on lab and science to prove God no you cannot go, know God through labs and wisdoms you will know God only through the heavenly wisdom and the revelation you know how the Lord Jesus Christ said to Peter flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my heavenly father and actually we need to pray this prayer for the whole world who are now drifting away from God who are lost and they are became ignorant of the knowledge of God we need to pray that God may give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him then in the revelation he actually uh, make uh, I think six points the first point the eyes of your understanding being enlightened this is the first point so the eyes of our mind to be enlightened enlightened not by science or not by earthly philosophy or earthly wisdom enlightened by the light of the father one of the psalms we say by your light we will see the light 
بنورك يا رب نعين النور You cannot be enlightened by earthly wisdom or earthly philosophy or earthly science You will be enlightened by the spirit of wisdom and revelation That you may know what is is the hope of his calling so the second thing we know the hope of his calling many of us actually we don't understand what does it mean the inheritance of of the kingdom of heaven if we understand we will not compromise it just for pleasure of one moment or one day for the pleasure of sin if we understand the hope of his calling God called us to inherit the kingdom of of heaven and to be one with him and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints St. Paul when he addressed this point he couldn't explain it he said no eye has seen no ear heard neither have come upon the heart of man no one actually can explain it's beyond our comprehension and our understanding the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints why many youth actually they they drift away and they refuse to come to the church because they assume that the pleasure and the fun of this earthly life is much 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 better than the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints i remember uh, one youth one time came to me and told me uh, sayyidna i don't want to go to heaven i, I just choose I, i chose heaven because the second alternative is bad is hell poor this person because he doesn't understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints you may ask how I can I understand it although it is beyond our understanding that's where the faith comes where our trust where what's revealed to us in the Bible no eye has seen nor ear heard neither have come upon the heart of man that's why he said again I pray that you have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to that your mind will be enlightened that's the first point those who deny the existence of God or living in sin because their understanding is darkened when our mind is enlightened we will understand the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the sin but maybe somebody will say but i am weak you know to to live righteous life in this world with in the middle of all this temptation is a challenge is difficult that's why in verse 19 he told us and also to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power so his i think saint paul is void of words 
He wants to explain the power of God. So he didn't find words. That's why he said, his power is so great. No, no, it's not enough. That's why he said, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Give me proof that his power is exceedingly great. He said, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. He told us, let us see what the Father, how the power worked in Christ. He raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the in that which is to come. Not only that, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now, do you, do you agree? Do you believe that his power is exceedingly great? That's what he did in the sun. He raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand, in the heavenly places, above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in that to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So he want to say, the same power that worked all these things in Jesus Christ, the same power can work in me and you. The same power. That's why St. Paul said, I can do all things in Jesus Christ. Don't say I cannot. You, there is actually power for you in God. You can defeat everything. You can defeat every temptation. So he is praying that we have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to be enlightened in our mind. To understand the hope of our calling, to uh, to understand the exceeding greatness of His power, to understand the riches of uh, the inheritance, and also uh, to know the Father in His knowledge. And he concluded by saying, which is the church, which is his body? The fullness of him who fills all in all. Who fills all in all. God fills everything. And the church is his fullness. The church is the fullness of God. So, again, I think St. Paul is, is again... He cannot find words to describe the riches of the grace that we received. Can you imagine we are the fullness of God who fills all in all? What does this mean? What does this mean that we are the fullness of God who actually fills all in all? That is the riches of, of His grace. Incomprehensible beyond the speech, beyond words. So, again, it's a beautiful prayer that God may give us 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, uh, wisdom and revelation. Why? Why he is praying that we have the spirit of wisdom and spirit of religion? As I told you, for six things. Number one, in knowledge of Him, that we know God. Number two, that our mind will be enlightened. Our understanding will be enlightened. Number three, to know the hope of His calling. And number four, to know the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the scenes. And number five, to know the exceeding greatness of His power toward us. And this exceeding greatness as He did in Jesus, also He will do in us. And number six, to understand that we are the fullness of Him who fills all in all. It's a beautiful prayer. We need to pray it for ourselves, for our children, and for all the whole world that God may give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand all these things. So Ephesians chapter 1 is a very important chapter because he explained to us the blessing that we received from the Holy Trinity and after each uh, hypostasis he ended to the praise of his glory. That's our reaction when we understand. Then he concluded this with a prayer that we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand, to be enlightened, to know the Father, to know the Holy Trinity, to, to know the hope of our calling, to know the richness of our inheritance, to know the exceeding power of, uh, of his might as he did in Jesus Christ and to understand that he is the head of the church the fullness of him who fills all in all. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.